Just Christmas, it's been and gone. Wonder what it's been like for you. And I wonder what's most prevalent in your mind when you think of Christmas. Might be the cooking, the family gatherings, the shopping, or the exhaustion of event after event. Or it might be the trickiness of your gathering or the loneliness of the season. Might be aspects of the biblical Christmas story. And if that's the case, I wonder what parts of the Christmas story stand out for you. If you're like me, it's different from year to year. This year, there's been two things that are most standing out for me. Firstly, the fact that the specific story that we're celebrating at Christmas is so strongly part of a bigger plan that the whole of scripture is about. And secondly, that this story of Jesus coming into our world is no meek and mild story. And our passage today reinforces both of these points. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, as we've been remembering over recent weeks. The wise men visited some time after Jesus was born and were told by Herod to come back and tell him when they'd found Jesus, supposedly so that he could go and pay Jesus homage. But they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, and so they went back to their own country by another road. That's the immediate background to the story that we've heard read today. So we're going to reflect on this story by thinking about three characters that are present in it. God, Herod, and Joseph. Firstly, God. Obviously, Jesus is present in this story. But it's how God's working out his purposes in this story that I'm wanting us to concentrate on. Matthew's clearly trying to draw our attention to this. The passage is filled with Old Testament prophecy. The plan of God is being fulfilled here through the intricate details. We hear of a prophecy from Hosea that out of Egypt I have called my son. A prophecy from Jeremiah about people mourning for their children. And a reference to the prophecies indicating that the Messiah would be from a place that's not a place of importance. And so Nazareth was a fit for that. There are echoes too throughout the story of Old Testament occurrences. Herod killing the babies is like Pharaoh killing the babies. Jesus needing to leave in order not to be killed is like Moses needing to leave in order to not be killed. The fulfilment of the plan of God is on display in this passage in intricate, magnificent detail. We see it in the echoes of the Old Testament because Matthew is showing us that Jesus is the fulfilment of all that Israel was meant to be. We see it in the prophetic fulfilment because Jesus is the one who will bring salvation and who is the true king of the world. God is working out his purposes. He's also leading his people. And in that, he's protecting his people and his plan. Just before the story begins, we see the wise men warned not to go back to Herod. And then in our passage, we see Joseph led to flee to Egypt 
And then we see him led to go back to Israel and led away from going back to Judea. God is leading and looking after his people and his plan. We see in this passage a God who's working out his plan in intricate detail and protecting his plan from those who would attack it. Which brings us to our second character, Herod. Herod was threatened by Jesus. We're familiar with the story, so it doesn't sound that ridiculous or strange to us. But think about it for a moment. Herod is threatened by a baby. A sweet, innocent baby. Clearly there's more to this story than meets the eye. The most powerful man around was threatened by this baby. He was threatened because this baby was seen to be born king of the Jews and that threatened his power. And that threat caused him to want to get rid of the baby Jesus before Jesus posed any threat, real threat to Herod's power. And when he couldn't get the information that would enable him to get rid of just Jesus, he organised for all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under to be killed. Essentially, he ordered for a wide enough range of people to be killed, age and location, to be pretty sure in his mind that the threat would be gone. Drastic measures though in line with his character. This is no meek and mild story. Uh, You've watched a video from Right Now Media the other week, which Kieran had chosen, that was in part about how Jesus came into the world to defeat the devil. That part of the video was called Christmas Destruction, and it really challenged our young people's picture of the Christmas story to the point that as we were summarising how the session had changed our understanding of the Christmas story, one of our young people had an image of Jesus in the manger with a rifle. Jesus isn't some meek and mild baby who's inconsequential. In fact, he has a, he's had a significant impact on the world from the time of his birth. And this part of the Christmas story shows us that this impact isn't always as someone who is welcomed. People who were not aligned with God were threatened by him and the evil one wanted him gone desperately. In this story, we see the setup of the conflict that's part of all of Jesus' time on earth. The conflict of Satan and those who were not aligned with God's agenda wanting to see Jesus killed. The time between Christmas and New Year is a classic time for movies. Wonder whether you've seen any good ones and whether the build-up of the conflict has been set up well in those movies. I haven't actually seen any movies, but I have read a good novel where the conflict was set up incredibly well. And that's what we're seeing here. The beginning of the conflict that will take place during all of Jesus' time on earth and the furthering of the battle that we've already seen exist in the story of God and his people in the world. This particular story also reminds me 
of the desperation of Voldemort to get rid of Harry Potter, for those of you who are familiar with the Harry Potter series. That's the kind of desperation we see in both Herod and on a bigger scale, the evil one, in wanting to get rid of Jesus. But we see God's hand of protection as Jesus' time had not yet come. So back to Herod. He was threatened by Jesus because through Jesus, Herod might lose power. Threat leads us humans to all sorts of ugly places. Threat often leads us to fresh. And Psalm 37 urges us not to fresh because it only leads to evil. Here's certainly Herod's sense of threat and his freshing over that led to significant evil. And his overall character was to do anything to keep his power. A fantastic quote from my reading this week about this passage was, if we are determined to get our own way at all costs, we will go to any lengths to eliminate all trace of Jesus and his claims on our lives. Say it again. If we're determined to get our own way at all costs, we will go to any lengths to eliminate all trace of Jesus and his claims on our lives. Herod wanted his own way so that he wouldn't lose power, and he was prepared to do anything to ensure that he would get that. What that meant was that he aimed to get rid of the existence of the one who was a threat to that. How about us? How might we want our own way? And what ways do we attempt to eliminate Jesus' claim on our lives so that we might be able to pursue those things rather than live under the rightful lordship of Jesus? It's probably way more subtle than Herod's actions, but we're all people who have a tendency to want our own way and so therefore at times to eliminate what Jesus' claim on our lives means. How might that be true for you at this time? Our third character is Joseph. We hear about him having three dreams in our story. Firstly, he has a dream where an angel of the Lord appears to him and says to take Jesus and Mary and to flee to Egypt and to remain there until he's told to do something else. Then he has another dream where an angel of the Lord appears to him and says to go back to the land of Israel. And then when Joseph was concerned about going back to where they'd come from because of who was now ruling there, his concerns were confirmed in a dream and so he went to Nazareth. What we have is God clearly speaking to Joseph on a number of occasions and Joseph obeying and in his obeying, God fulfilling his purposes as we've seen already. It's hugely significant stuff, but there's actually nothing complex in what Joseph does. It's pretty simple, really. He hears what God says to him and he obeys. It's possible that the first time he got up immediately and took Mary and Joseph that very night. But in any case, what we have written by Matthew indicates no hesitation in his following what God said. In the first instance, 
the angel of the Lord spoke to him in a dream, and we hear, Then Joseph got up and took the child and his mother by night and went to Egypt. The second time, we hear the angel of the Lord spoke to him in a dream, and we hear, Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. The third time, we hear that he was warned in a dream, and so he went away to the district of Galilee. The Lord speaks, and Joseph immediately and without hesitation obeys and does what the Lord has told him to do. And in that obedience, God's purposes are fulfilled. Joseph's obedience is a challenge to me. I wonder if it's a challenge to you also. He trusts God's goodness and his word to the extent that he immediately and without hesitation obeys. How are you going in your immediate and without hesitation obeying of what God has said? What a great reminder this story is of God's sovereignty in being able to work out his plan, no matter what or who comes against it, especially his plan of bringing salvation to the world through Jesus. And what an encouragement that is to us, that we can trust him and his work in the world and in our lives specifically. What a challenge and encouragement this story is to us. A challenge to not live for ourselves and to not in subtle or less subtle ways eliminate Jesus' claim on our lives. A challenge to align our lives with God's purposes in this world. And an encouragement to listen to God and to obey him immediately and without hesitation. So as we enter into a new year, I encourage you to continue to trust our God who's very able to work out his purposes in this world and in your and my life. And as we trust in that, I encourage you to listen to God and to obey what he says, recognising Jesus' claim on our life.